you're in for a treat today. I'm joined by Dr. Amy Beard, and she is answering your questions. We cover questions on weight loss resistance, insulin, gut health, the dangers of medications, weaning off medications, menopause, perimenopause, hormone balance, supplementation, and how to detox a fatty liver. Yes, all of that. Now, just a friendly reminder that the purpose of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not for individual diagnosis or treatment. I want you to be empowered to be your own best health advocate. Education, encouragement, and empowerment. It's all today on the Healthy Harmony Show. Welcome. This is the Healthy Harmony Podcast. I'm Jennifer Pickett, dietitian turned functional medicine health coach. I help spiraling moms overcome the overwhelm through functional wellness coaching for the body, mind, and soul so they can transform their health and live a deeply fulfilled life of freedom and harmony. Okay, let's get real. When it comes to your health, you know what to do. I help you make the shift from knowing to actually doing. The last 25 years of experience have taught me that the absolute last thing a woman needs is a lecture about self-care and another unrealistic diet plan. I recognize the importance of compassionate and intentional health practices so you can feel good. Because guess what? When you feel good, you are more likely to make better decisions for your health. If you're ready to take control of your complete health, address the obstacles standing in your way, and live a life of freedom and harmony, my friend, you're in the right place. Our guest today is Dr. Amy Beard. She's a dietitian, a physician, and a functional medicine doctor as well. I love her openness, her honesty, and her heart for others. Also, her ability to get right to the point and tell it like it is, as you will hear in this Q&A. Dr. Amy has a virtual practice based out of Arkansas, and you can find out more at amybeardmd.com. You guys have a treat today. We are doing a Ask the Functional Medicine Doctor, and I have Dr. Amy Beard here with us, and she is going to be answering your questions. So we're going to get right into this. Dr. Amy, how are you today? Doing great, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so glad we get to do this. I always love how you respond to questions. So I think today is going to be fantastic. So I'm going to jump right into it. And of course, our first question is about weight loss. So what do you feel are the main factors that contribute to weight loss resistance in women? Oh, good question. Um, And that has a little bit to do with age as well. So things are a little different for the menopausal patient than they are for the younger patient but for me in in my in my experience <laughs> the big driving forces are gut health right that's a huge one right and stress yes. stress yes it yes. is so difficult to lose weight when you are stressed and you have those elevated cortisol and adrenaline levels um, that just wreak havoc on your body and then that often causes um, elevated insulin levels and if your insulin levels are elevated you are not going to lose weight and very few doctors 
ever check this level. You're but so right. You're so right. Yeah, and it's something I we check on, you know, a, a lot of our patients. And, you know, if you're not sleeping well at night, that is going to stress your body. And we often see people with elevated um, insulin levels when they're not sleeping well. Which is so, crazy. So let's that kind of leads to the next question um, because a, a listener submitted a question about insulin resistance. So dig a little bit more into that. What is insulin resistance and exactly what does insulin do in the body? You referenced that we're testing insulin, but let's dig a little bit deeper into that. So yeah, so insulin is a hormone that's secreted by the pancreas that helps get uh, glucose and fat into the cells. And when um, you can't do that, of course, the cells are can't operate like they should and you and just having a, an elevated insulin level is a sign that there's a lot of systemic inflammation and, and nutrient deficiencies and a lot of pathophysiology that is occurring metabolic derangements that is really driving this so the the elevated fasting insulin level is just a, a sign per se that something is amiss in the body and there are multiple um nutrients associated with helping get that uh, that insulin into the cell too, a, lot, a long, long list. There's not one that's more important than the other. They all have to be there. Um, but, you know, that's that's pretty much, pretty much the gist of it. Did I answer your question, Jennifer? No, you definitely <laughs> did. And I think what's important is to kind of tie it back to that first question too and realize that insulin resistance is going to lead to weight loss resistance. So we have to connect those two together. Now, you said that you commonly check insulin, but of course, in functional medicine, we check a lot of labs that traditional medicine neglects to check. So why aren't doctors checking insulin levels? Because it's, I mean, clearly it's very important. Why wouldn't they check this? I'm not real sure, possibly because it's (laughs) only associated with diabetes, right? And we don't uh, necessarily view this valuable lab as an indicator for other issues that might be going on, particularly inflammation. So, uh, and, and we're not taught to think of, you know, elevated insulin levels as, you know, a sign of systemic inflammation and metabolic derangements per se. It's just, we weren't ever taught to check that lab. And I guess that's why it goes unchecked, but an, an elevated insulin level is Insulin levels rise before your blood sugar levels rise. So an elevated insulin level could be the first indicator of prediabetes. Uh, Okay, so we will see the insulin. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say diabetes, you know, is, yes, it is a diagnosis, but diabetes to me is just a collection of symptoms that say, hey, you've got some metabolic derangements and inflammation going on. What's, What's causing that? Yes. That's not the end point. So Your diagnosis we, is not the end point. It's the beginning for us as functional you. medicine physicians. Thank you. It's the beginning. It's the beginning. Uh, so you said so you're saying that we will see insulin levels rise before we see the blood sugar rise. Yes, because, and I think sometimes yeah. because we look at blood sugar, and I want you guys to remember too, those who are listening, if you have gotten some recent blood work done by your traditional medicine doctor, and you're looking at your glucose, that glucose is only at that moment in time. 
The only way you're going to see your blood glucose over time is if they check hemoglobin A1C, which is your blood glucose over three months. Is that correct, Dr. Amy? That That is correct. And, you know, your insulin levels, you could have a normal blood sugar, but a very high insulin level because that the insulin is having to rise to keep your blood sugars in check. Got it. Got it. So something so something key is missing here. And, you know, I found myself discussing that with the client this morning who happened to be diabetic. But as I was discussing blood sugar management, I pointed out that we should all be concerned with blood sugar management so that we can manage our insulin levels. And it's something that a lot of people, when we talk blood sugar, they kind of tune out if they don't have diabetes. And so it's something we all need to be paying attention to. Yes, because... Um, Hyperinsulinemia or insulin resistance is driving a lot of other issues besides diabetes. Diabetes is just one inflammatory condition. There are many, many others that often have these elevated insulin levels as well. So yeah, we've got to get out of that mindset. Yeah, we do. We really do. And I love how you easily just lead into my next question. So thank you for being two steps ahead. That's perfect. Um, was not planned. So what is the best way? No, I know not planned. It's just we work good together. Um, what is the best way to lower inflammation in the body? Okay, so there are multiple sources and they vary from individual this to individual. This is a big one. Yeah. So for me, of course, gut health is where it's at. You have to address that first and foremost, because, you know, 75% of your immune cells lie within and along your GI tract. It is a a huge part of your immune system. So if things are going awry in the GI tract, you're going to have inflammation elsewhere, all throughout the body. It will be, it will become systemic. Um, So Mm -hmm. gut health is one, which, you know, is there is driven by what you eat, um, your stress levels, your hydration, uh, nutrient um, insufficiencies, um, toxin exposures. Uh, let's see here. What what else did we know? Uh, activity, uh, exposure and to sleep these, too, right? And sleep. Yes, all of these things contribute to one's quote um, inflammation burden. Mm-hmm. So we have to take that very comprehensive approach. So yes. if someone is really working to get their inflammation levels down, um, uh, if they are very consistent in those efforts, how long does it take the body to respond and for them to see a difference? Well, and that's a really tough question because everybody's is, so different. It is. But, you know, when we start focusing on gut health and just all of those things that we just mentioned that actually contribute to gut health, too, um, a lot of people tend to start seeing results within a month or two. Okay. You start seeing a lot, you know, your, your, mm-hmm. those chronic symptoms start to start to resolve uh, within a short amount of time. But it, then it takes several months after that before you really, you know, achieve what a hundred percent improvement. Um, some people do, some people don't, some people just need more time because a lot of people have had a lot of insults thrown at them over the years, whether that is that they've had organs removed or toxin exposures and or have just been chronically ill for much longer. That process can take a little longer, but it can absolutely happen. The body is very resilient and it's marvelous how 
it can repair and heal itself if you just give it what it needs and remove what it doesn't. It's amazing. So I want you to go one step further and tell us about uh, your total gut job that you developed. Because I know there's some people out there who are like, okay, you're speaking my language. I know I need help. Where do I turn? So tell us more about your total gut job. So this is um, a program that we developed several years ago because it, it incorporated a lot of the functional medicine principles that I feel get people back on track quickly. So it's the it's called the Total Gut Job Program because we focus uh, primarily on rehabbing the gut. Um, because a lot of you need that because you've had you know been through a lot of stress, you've not been eating what you should. Um, you're, you're on medications that have disrupted the GI microbiome. And so we have to um, do a little bit of rehab. And so we'll put people in the total gut job program, first and foremost, to try to um, get the microbiome back in balance and uh, make up for any kind of deficits that have been occurring in the GI tract that can lead to, um, uh, you know, poor gut health and, of course, then systemic inflammation. So, of course, we're going to be looking at the diet, right? Your diet is your food is your medicine. Or, you know, it can help you where it can harm you. And it, and it varies from one person to another. What might be good for you might be just poison for somebody else. So that's why we also incorporate an elimination and reintroduction diet into this gut rehab process. But we're also going um, to focus on your stress, your sleep, your activity, your toxin exposures, because all of those have a direct impact not only on your gut health, but your overall inflammatory state. And we know that most of our chronic conditions today are just simply um, disorders of immune dysregulation and inflammation. It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's modern times. That, yeah. It's modern times. It's modern times. And I think it is safe for us to make the assumption if you have had any stress, if you have eaten any kind of junk, if you have been, if you have not had good sleep, if you have taken any kind of medications, uh, you probably have poor gut health. And so we have got to address our gut health if we want to improve our health. So I'm so glad um, we talked about that. So uh, the next question can also play into that um, because I think we're seeing a world where medications are so overprescribed. So uh, a listener asked, are the usual prescription meds really harmful? <laughs> They're pharmaceuticals and every pharmaceutical has side effects. There's no way around it. And, it, and, it, and it's not just prescription. It's over the counter as well. Yes. So they all have side effects. Um, they, they only address symptoms, never the root cause, ever. So, and, and, and you always, or I see this often, is you have a person who hasn't been to the doctor in a long time. They start having problems. They go in and they come out with a prescription and you're like, oh no, this is where the downward spiral starts. They're going to start taking this medication that doesn't address the root cause um, while the underlying issue is still there causing havoc in the body that will be expressed as another symptom somewhere down the line could be next day, next week, next month, next year. Uh, but we know that the that that pharmaceutical is also going to have side effects. It is also going to cause more problems, which means more pills to treat the side effects 
of that pharmaceutical, that one pharmaceutical that was prescribed that day. And I see this all the time. And I just cringe mm-hmm. when I see these patients go to the doctor and they get this, this medication, you know, they haven't been a long time. They get this medication, they start taking it. And I'm like, Oh, this is where it starts. Yes. <laughs> this is yes. where the downward spiral it's- starts. And you and I have talked about it before, but, you know, we've talked about your training as a doctor and how that training focused largely on procedures and pharmaceuticals. Is that right? That is correct. And I don't think much has changed since I've been in school. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. So doctors are not being trained on lifestyle modifications, on managing stress and the value of nutrition, food as medicine and getting good sleep and hydration and and even, you know, additional supplementation. Doctors are not trained on that. So they're trained on pharmaceuticals. And at some point we have to wake up and be like, hmm, maybe this is not about my health. Maybe this is just about money. And they need to get me in the door and get me out of the door. And the fastest way to do that is to throw some meds at me. And that's where we find ourselves today. The system is not there to help you. It, you're just another number that comes through the door that is um, looked at as a, a way of generating revenue. And I know that can be a hard pill to swallow, no pun intended, but it's the truth. The system is not here mm-hmm. to keep you healthy. It is there to generate Revenue and the pharmaceutical industry has a huge hand in the uh, in the standards of care that your doctor uses and in their training and their curriculum that they were taught. That's why their only so tools seem to be pills and procedures. Yes, they they know that stress and diet and exercise and all that are important. But they're really, they don't know the details about that because they weren't taught the details about just what those things are doing to the body and how they um, are, are helping you. And so it's just kind of rudimentary mentions of these things in medical school, and that's it. Your, your doctor is not a nutrition expert. Far from it. So true. So true. So um, the next question from a listener is along those same lines, this listener asked how to wean off of high blood pressure med, uh, a a high blood pressure medication in the safest manner possible. So let's talk about that. Okay, that's a great question because we do have a lot of patients that come uh, to us on blood pressure medications. And so first of all, we got to address why your blood pressure is high to begin with. And Um, A lot of people I have found are on blood pressure medications that do not need to be on them in the first place. If your doctor is placing you on a blood pressure medication because you had a high reading when you were at their office and they have no other readings to go by, I would go find another opinion. There's a lot of white coat syndrome out there. People get anxious when they go to the doctor. Guess what? Your blood pressure is going to be elevated when you're anxious. And so they're basing their uh, their decision to put you on a blood pressure medication off of the, the times you're in their office and anxious. So that right there, I'm seeing a lot of that, especially the, um, the elderly who, quite frankly, need higher blood pressures. When you're older, you need higher blood pressures. They, they do not need this whole 120 over 80 rule for the elderly, I think, is causing a lot of... Um, unintended consequences 
particularly dizziness. They fall, they hit their head. Now they have a brain bleed. I saw it all the time in the ER. And you have to make sure that you're taking your blood pressure correctly. I tell my patients who are wanting to get off blood pressure medications, I'm like, all right, we need to keep a log. As we're working on the underlying causes of your high blood pressure, I need you to start keeping a a blood pressure log. So um, I like my patients to take their blood pressures in the morning after they wake up uh, before coffee. Okay, so you're just going to lie on your bed um, for about five minutes, then sit up recalibrate for a few, and then you're going to take your blood pressure with whether it's um, at the wrist or on your arm, it needs to be at the level of your heart. Okay. It doesn't need to be hanging below, above. It needs to be at the level of your heart. And that's how you take your blood pressure. Never take a blood pressure after you've consumed caffeine or you're upset, anxious, excited, or you've been running around, you know, all over town or, or cleaning your house, your blood pressure is going to increase. It, it's supposed to, your it blood pressure never stays. Yeah. It never stays the same. If you are active, it's going to increase because that's what it needs to do. But if you're at rest in an uncaffeinated state, not emotional, that is a, a good time to take your blood pressure. Okay. So how would, if someone is on a a blood pressure medication, they've been on one for a while, how would they safely wean off of that medication? Do they need to do that with the help of their doctor? Like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think most people could do it on their own. Um, You know, so long as it's not a blood pressure medication that is also controlling, uh, you know, a heart rhythm. But if it's just purely for your blood pressure, you could start um, having it, uh, taking half the dose and see what happens. You know, you can do that for several days. And if all is well, you know, then you could, you know, if you needed to even go down a little bit further, you could do that. Um, But, you know, I've never seen any um, major issues with people just um, quitting it. (laughs) But, you know, I I need to clarify some things here too. You know, first of all, you got to, you know, you might want to seek help from your physician who prescribed that to you if you have questions, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like they're antidepressants or things like that, that, you know, you can't stop those immediately. Those have to be weaned. Blood pressure medications are a little different. Um, you know, so long yes. as you, you know, your blood pressure is not, you know, 200 over a hundred or something crazy like that, you know, but I, I'm still fine with, you know, 135 over 85, which is what um, our blood pressure, a normal blood pressure used to be until they dropped it to 120 over 80. Very interesting. And, you know, and just something for you guys to consider as you're listening to this. um, Two key things she said. Number one, you have to address why your blood pressure is high in the first place. Is this white coat syndrome? Your blood pressure is just elevated because you're in the doctor's office? Or are you having some blood pressure issues? It is consistently high. And what is driving that high blood pressure? And then the next thing I would remind you guys of is if you are on a lot of different medications, and you're getting a little bit overwhelmed just listening to this. It's one of the reasons, one of the justifications for going to see a functional medicine doctor so that you can wean off of your medications and you can adopt just better health. And you have a partner in doing that. You've got somebody in your corner. You're not trying to figure it out on your own. I think people get so overwhelmed with their health and they're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Should I wean off this? Should I not? How should I do it? That's why you go and you seek support and you seek help. 
from a trained expert, a functional medicine practitioner. So just a little plug there for you guys um, to make sure that people understand that because it is not, there's not a one size fits all. Yeah. And there's a lot of medications so that cause your elevated blood pressure. So, you know, yes, it, it, you need yes. somebody to kind of review what you're on and try to make sense of it. Definitely, definitely. It's just very, very overwhelming for folks. So uh, speaking of overwhelming, um, our next question is about perimenopause. So women get very overwhelmed as they're getting older and they're going into menopause. And so this listener asked the question, what is the most important thing to focus on before, mini- before menopause? So when she is in perimenopause, what's right. the most important thing to focus on? It's all about estrogen metabolism. You want to make sure that that is optimized. And you also want to make sure that your stress is not an issue. We know that women's progesterone levels start to decrease ten about 10 years prior to menopause. And so um, if you're chronically stressed, your body's going to make cortisol at the expense of progesterone at the time, you know, so you, you don't want that, right? Especially in your, in those years leading up to menopause, the perimenopausal time, you don't want to rob yourself of progesterone because you're stressed and making cortisol at the, at the expense of progesterone. And when, and when you're stressed mm-hmm. and you, and your body is making all this cortisol at the expense of progesterone, you get this imbalance of estrogen to progesterone ratios. And so women will become estrogen dominant because of the stress um, so that's one thing we like to really uh, focus on is is the stress, the cortisol production. And it's not just mental stress, physical stress can do it, inadequate sleep, poor gut health, uh, chronic infections, nutrient deficiencies. All these things can add to that, um, that, that cortisol production at the expense of progesterone. So that's that's one thing you need to consider. Gut health, absolutely, to optimize your um, your your hormone metabolism. You, you have to you have to worry about the production of your hormones, the transport, the cell signaling, the detoxification and elimination of your hormones. All of that plays a part into hormone balance. And just be and not 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 all women need hormone replacement. Um, hormone replacement seems to be a first world problem. A lot hmm. of your third Very world countries don't really have the menopausal issues that women do here in the States or in other first world countries, which is, wow. yeah, it's very interesting. And it, it is, it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's our convenient lives that we're living, burning the candle at both it ends, is. eating food we don't need to be eating, exposing ourselves to toxins that are everywhere and we're just slathering on our body. That's another thing that's going to contribute to some hormonal issues is the toxin exposures. A lot of those act like xenoestrogens. They act like estrogens in your body. So they're, they're also going to disrupt that balance. So again, it's, it's pretty much the same approach we would use with somebody with a systemic inflammation issue. It always Mm -hmm. seems to come back to the same things. Um, And so it's, uh, you know, you, I just want your, the per- person who submitted that question to know that you, we don't want to put you on hormone replacement therapy without addressing all of the things that contribute to hormone imbalances. Because when you do that, you just, you, these women 
Um, it might work for a month or two at controlling some of your symptoms, but then it just becomes a gigantic mess. It really does. It really does. And I think the bottom line is that women need help and support. They're not being heard and they're being made to feel like, okay, menopause is just something like perimenopause, menopause, you just suffer through it. It's just, it is what it is. You can, this is what you can expect. And no one's really helping these women. And there's just a lot of frustration and it truly impacts the family. Um, So I just think it's so important to get the help and the support uh, you need. So I love how you covered all of that. Uh, with that question. So the next question is, uh, what is the best way to detox a fatty liver, um, especially a fatty liver that is not related to alcohol consumption? So (laughs) gut health, first and foremost, you have to do that. And you have to start reducing your intake of sugar, carbs, high fructose corn syrup, which we know high fructose corn syrup is heavily associated with fatty livers. People are consuming processed Uh, foods. Uh, Your thyroid, you want to make sure that it's functioning like it should as well, because we know people with hypothyroidism often have issues with fatty livers too. And then, of course, the the, uh, toxin exposures. The liver is the uh, primary site of detoxification. And when that is not occurring right, you will um, have some inflammation in the liver and fatty livers can develop. So how do you know if you have fatty liver? You can uh, do some, there, there's some labs that can be done there. Um, most of it is based on, um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of the best way to um, get this across to the listeners is, you know, it's primarily, um, It's, you can be a lot of people will have symptoms at first. I don't really know that it really can't be. Sometimes imaging can pick up on it if it's really really bad. Um, but we're we're going to be looking at a lot of things like your you know your AST, your ALT, GGT, uh, the way that and, and some other labs that are produced by the liver. Maybe the liver is struggling to do that. So those levels can sometimes be abnormal. Um, and, and don't you think a lot of the symptoms that someone would be having are really consistent with the symptoms of a lot of other um, irregularities in the body, like fatigue and sluggishness and just that feeling of toxicity that your body is, you just feel, I think I hear women say this, I just feel toxic. Like I don't, I feel off. That's a, that's what I hear. I feel off. I don't yeah. feel right. So. Right. That's always really good mindfulness. Like we've got to listen to our bodies and realize something is not right here. I need to investigate further and I need to get the help and support that I need. Yeah. Like you said, um, pay attention to those signs. If those are red, your body's trying to communicate something to you. So if you're having fatigue or you're having pain and discomfort in that upper right part of your abdomen, whether you might be having some abdominal swelling or ascites. Uh, You could have enlarged blood vessels just beneath the surface of your skin. Um, Some people will have um, even, even yellowing of the skin. They'll have jaundice because of this Mm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, of their skin and their, and their eyes, you know, that that's, those are major red flags right there. Um, 
And so pay attention. Don't just keep putting those things off. Your body's trying to communicate something to you. Yes, we've got to start listening. We've got to start listening. And and the reason we're doing this, y'all, is just to help you be your own best advocate, not to make you dependent on a system, not to scare you, but to help you be your own best advocate so that you can take action and be in control of your health. And we want you to feel good. Life is short. We want you to feel good so you can enjoy um, that life. So the next question is, uh, is milk thistle good for liver health? I like it. <laughs> it's in our detox supplement, <laughs> uh, milk thistle. So yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Okay, I, I, it's, good, a, good, it's, good. A, it's a safe supplement. And um, I, I have, I've read lots and lots and lots of research on its beneficial effects. I'll uh, yeah. Real quick, give us an indication of some of your, you have formulated some of your own supplements and um, they have become wildly popular because they're so very effective. And so tell us about a few of your favorite supplements on your website that you have formulated. So we formulated our own multivitamin because I simply could not find anything on the market that I thought was all that. And I was seeing patients using multiple different supplements. And I thought, there's some, we could combine these things into one. And, to, mm-hmm. and it's something that I feel that everybody needs. So our multivitamin is not just, yes, it is a multivitamin. It has, it's, it's your, it has all the typical things that you would see in it. But we, we included higher doses of vitamin D3 with K2. Um, we also um, uh, included mitochondria. Uh, nutrients for mitochondrial support, immune support, detox support. So it's so much more than just a multivitamin. Um, And several of our patients were so excited when we did this because they didn't have to carry around five bottles of stuff anymore. They just carry around yeah, the multivitamin. Yeah. And, and we have, you know, we put um, lots of alpha lipoic acid, NAC, um, uh, so and then quercetin. It's got those adapted. It's got the adaptive it's vinegars got, yes. in there, like it's the, got the adrenal so, Yes, yeah. the adrenal support adaptogens that are um, that are appropriate for any stage of adrenal fatigue. Love, love, love that multivitamin for sure. What are a couple of other of your favorites um, uh, on the on the website? So let's see here. Um, I I take extra vitamin D in the in the cooler months, so I think all of us probably should be doing that if we're not getting outside and getting exposed to the sun like we should. Um, but for me, I'm taking uh, my multivitamin, a probiotic, my omega three fatty acids uh, most days, and then sometimes, you know, <laughs> um, uh, our women or a lot of our women patients are fan of the estrogen balance. When they're going through those perimenopausal, menopausal stages, it has some really good things in it that can help optimize those estrogen um, pathways um, and can kind of calm down some of your hot flashes and and moodiness. So uh, that's a big hit with a lot of women. Um, I also like the stress manager um, supplement that we have. I take that sometimes when uh, my work-life balance has kind of gotten out of control and I'm stressed and maybe not uh, sleeping as well as I should, I'll start using my stress manager in the evening and um, we'll sleep a little bit better. 
So good. Just very, very high quality supplements. And I know I've been so pleased uh, with trying some of those, especially the multivitamin. Again, I like the fact that there's all of these other things in there that I'm not having to take separately. So I think that's fantastic. And it's been kind of neat. I did have an opportunity. There was another health expert that uh, a physician who uh, was who looked at that. And he's like, well, this is very impressive. So I was thinking, yes, I know. So <laughs> um, that was always good feedback to hear. Yeah. Um, so you guys, if you want to check out those supplements or if you're interested in the total gut job that Dr. Amy Beard discussed, you can go to her website, Amy Beard, MD. Dot com, and that way you can just get some more information. Remember, we want you to be in the driver's seat. We want you to be your own best health advocate, and we want you to feel good. So, Dr. Amy, as we're wrapping up, what would be like your final word of encouragement for our listeners? Ooh, putting me on the spot. Well, here recently, <laughs> I can, you know, given the current um, circumstances we find our world in today, people are stressed out. And my, my word to you is to focus on the Lord and focus on mm. the things he told us as uh, don't worry about tomorrow. He has already taken care of it. And one day at a time. One day at a time because uh, you and I both know stress will destroy you. And God does not That's want right. us to be destroyed. He, want us, he wants us to thrive. So we need to focus on Him, His promises that He's made, and uh, the fact that He told us numerous times not to worry. I love it. I'm going to have to say amen to that. That's some good <laughs> stuff right there. So good job for me being, you know, putting you on the spot for that. Thank you so much for joining, uh, for joining me and answering the listener questions. Clearly, we have to do this again. There's a few questions I didn't have time to get to. So we will definitely be doing this to, uh, again. So you guys who are listening, I hope you enjoy this. Um, you can find Dr. Amy at amybeardmd.com and give us your social media stuff as well, Dr. Amy, so people know where to find you. Sure. So we're on Facebook, Amy Beard MD. I'm back on there out of Facebook jail. I don't know how much longer though. I'm also on Instagram again, <laughs> Amy Beard underscore MD. And then I also have a Telegram channel, which I absolutely love because it's not censored. Um, and that is also under um, Amy Beard MD. And so um, you love can, it. all of those uh, social media sites um, are available to you. We also have a YouTube channel where we post some of our um, podcasts. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. Self-care is the new healthcare. We have not done any episodes in a long time. Um, life got in the way, but we have every intention of getting back into that studio real soon. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Good deal. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Jennifer, anytime. I think we will definitely have to do that again. I hope you enjoyed that and it left you with some eye-opening information that empowers you to take control of your health. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye, y'all.